Welcome to Restoration Road Online. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So we want to pray the gospel, and this is so, so important. Praying the gospel is having a heart for evangelism, having a heart for the lost, understanding that in order for a man to be right in right relationship with God, he must believe the gospel. He must believe that Jesus died and rose again. He must not just believe that there could be a God or many gods or a higher power or just a higher power, even though God is a higher power. But he must believe in the only mediator between God and man that the scriptures teach us. There's only one mediator between God and man and his name is Jesus Christ, the only unique son of God. We must believe that there are people far from God who if they stood before God in their own works today, if they passed from this life to the next, would not be pardoned from their sin. And that we are called to preach the gospel of grace to them so that they might find life and find it abundantly in Jesus. Amen? So there's both a hope and a weight that comes with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The hope is that many around us who might casually just wonder if there's a God or might say, if there's a God really has no impact on my life, there's a hope that this year that they would come to save in faith in Jesus, amen? But there's also a concern and a weight that the Apostle Paul talks about that he wakes up with a weight for his people. That even though they believed that there was a God, that they would see that God is Christ, And that to see the Son of God and to see Jesus was to see the Father. And that Jesus Christ came to show us who God is. And that to believe that he died and rose again for our sins and that he will redeem the world and return one day and make a new heaven and new earth, that is to truly live. That is to truly live. So to pray the gospel is to pray for those people in your life this year. And when I say this year, I'm seeing 2020 to 2021, September to August. To pray that they will come to save in faith in the gospel of grace in Jesus Christ this year. And that their lives will be restored and their lives will be changed. I want to ask you to believe with me that that will happen. I know some of you here and some of you online are working through your own faith if you believe. And we're here to help you. We're not here to condemn you and say, why aren't you there yet? We're here to call you to Christ, to ask the questions, to seek God. And our prayer is that you find restoration in Jesus Christ. You know, as I'm getting a little older, I can officially call myself a middle-aged man now. I never thought it would happen to me that I would care if my grass was green. I just never thought it would happen. And now the joy I get if my grass is green is like going to Disney World. I don't know what happens in you. But I haven't been able to get my lawn perfect. And being a perfectionist to the degree I am, that bothers me. This some years it's been green, guys. Don't get me wrong. But there's always a few patches 
And I'm like, I can't deal with this. It's got to be 100%. So this year, me and my father-in-law, Joe Vec, said, this is the year. This year, we're getting every patch. There's no dead grass, no crab grass, none of that on this lawn. So we bought loom, cow manure. I didn't even care. I put my hand right in and threw it on the lawn. I didn't even care. Seed that Jovec did so much investigation on, it's called Black Beauty Ultra. This stuff grows to the heavens. And he got, did all the research. He said, Joey, I got Black Beauty. It's coming your way. So this week, we really just got out there. And if you're with Jovec, you know you're not doing anything quick. I've already taught that lesson to you guys. So I've grown as a man. I know this is going to be, going to take our time. <laughs> we put, first of all, he raked the dead grass off. It was a gift from, he has a gift from God when it comes to landscaping. I couldn't have raked all that dead grass off of there. He raked every, it was so beautiful. I said, how do you do that? He said, it's a gift from God. We laid out all the loom. I wheelbarrowed it up, and he put it down. I wheelbarrowed up, we put it down. Then we got the black beauty out. Just started throwing the black beauty everywhere, ultra. Natalie and Nancy came out, and Talia. They said, I want some of that. All of a sudden, everyone in the family is just throwing grass out. Get all the laborers just throwing grass out. And I share that story because I believe... This is the year my grass is going to grow to the heavens. It's going to be the year where that lawn is full, green. People drive by to the glory of God and say, that lawn looks good. And I'm sharing that because I think this year at Restoration Road is the year we see the fruit of all our labor of the past years. And many people are going to come to Christ this year. They're going to believe. I, I believe that. With all my heart. I believe this is the year of God's favor. And you can look around and feel the life and feel the momentum and feel what God's doing. I believe all the labor, all the grace. This is the year of the favor of our God on Restoration Road. And we're going to see God bring people to Christ. See people grow as leaders. God is going to send people to this church with giftings and callings to help us go to the next level. I believe that Jesus Christ is going to do it that year. And I'm calling you to pray and believe with me. Amen. So we're going to talk about praying the gospel. We're going to learn for us to pray for this vision, this year of God's favor to really hit us this year. We're going to learn from this scripture today. I'd love to just teach from this today. It's Matthew chapter 9. Verses 37 and 38. That's Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38. It says, Then he said to his disciples, this is Jesus, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So today we're going to focus on praying for his harvest, for God's harvest. Praying for laborers in that harvest. And praying for your one. So let's begin here. Praying for his harvest. Something about this scripture that I really love is what is before it. Before it is the first scripture we preached about when God saw the crowds. When Jesus saw the crowds who would be the people that we would consider broken in our society. 
He said they were helpless and harassed. And he looked out on those crowds and he was moved with compassion. He said, they're sheep without a shepherd and they need me. And we started there, right? The next two verses are the ones we just read. Pray that the Lord will send laborers into this harvest. For the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And it just really hit me that Jesus going and preaching in every town, in every village, everywhere, crowds gathered, the broken coming to him, healing the sick. He looked out at the helpless and harassed, and he looks at those people, and he says it's his harvest. I mean, he was saying, God the Father's harvest. This is who God sent me here for, for the broken, for the confused, for the addicted, for the abused, for people who feel lost, for the poor and the needy, and people who are struggling with mental health, and he sent me for these people. This is my harvest, and this harvest is plentiful. They're just really impacting me, showing me the heart of God to say that's his harvest, that's God's harvest, because I think about the disciples. Imagine being the disciples. And Jesus, you look at the people in society that most people are saying they're worthless. If anything, we want them to kind of move on so we have a better culture. But Jesus says, those are my people that I actually came to die for and I came to shepherd. He didn't come for those who think they have it all together. He didn't come for who we put in high prestige. He says the last will be first and he came for the broken. That's his harvest. And the disciples must have been like, that's your crop? Those people, you don't understand. Don't you want the people who look like they have it all together? Jesus said, no, that's God's harvest. And that just really impacted me. That that's where God's heart is. And we should have known this because when you hear Jesus, when he starts his ministry, he goes into the synagogue, he goes into the temple, and this is the first thing he reads. And you know with any writer, any time someone writes something or reads something, the first thing they share shows great importance. And this is what Jesus reads from Isaiah. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It is Jesus Christ's heart, it is God's heart that the oppressed are set free, that captives walk in liberty. That those who are spiritually blind come alive to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's his harvest. God gets in broken places. And I want us to pray that those who are oppressed, those who are lost, those who are suicidal, those who are struggling with mental health, that this year they will find Jesus Christ and find restoration in him. And Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. When you look around at greater Boston, does it look plentiful to you? But Jesus says it is. Maybe we're looking in the wrong places with people who 
in their hearts have not realized they need a savior. People who think they have it all together. Because there is no harvest there. Because either their own, they're, they're their own savior or they found a savior in something in the world. The harvest is not plentiful there in hearts like that. But hearts that are poor in spirit, hearts that are broken, hearts that are needy, the harvest is plentiful and they are searching for a savior and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? We need to pray for that harvest. We need to go where Jesus wants us to go. We need to go into broken places and be with broken people and pray for those people who are far from God in our life that even seem like lost causes and watch Jesus bring restoration to their lives. But we have to pray for laborers because it's not an easy task. Seeing broken people restored by Jesus is hard work. I've sat with people who struggle from addiction. It is emotionally so hard to watch the suffering they go through. Wow. I've seen grown men break down and cry over past hurts that drove them to addiction and they almost couldn't get back to control themselves because they finally addressed issues that wounded their souls so deeply that they didn't want to address and so they turned to using. But I've seen those same people find restoration in Jesus and walk in sobriety. I've looked at people behind the glass in prisons and just thought, what just happened? How did you end up in here? But I've seen they're in those broken places when Jesus said, did you visit them in prison? And I've seen them change their lives. I've seen people go through horrible divorces or family heartbreaking, family devastation, and they thought they would never get through it. They thought they were worthless and they thought there was no hope in the future and I've seen Jesus Christ give them hope but it's tough to be in those places isn't it that's tough work because that takes a few days even months to shake off when you watch people go through that kind of pain and that kind of heartache but we need to be in those places and really pray for laborers to go into the harvest and we can't grow discouraged because I've watched many of you work with people who are going through real hard, hard times. And you see them come to church and growing in their faith and all of a sudden they're gone and we lose heart, right? And we can't grow weary in doing good because we say, man, was that worth it? All the time, all the phone calls, the help, the generosity. Was it worth it investing? It's always worth it to invest in a human life. Because we don't know how many thieves on the cross there are on their last breath when they look to the heavens and say, God, forgive me. I've fallen, but I know you are a savior. And on the last breath, even if they were overdosed and said, God, save me. And one day we'll see him in paradise, amen? The work is always worth it. The love is always worth it worth it the prayers always matter and we must pray the gospel because it's God's desire that everyone would be saved that's the heart of our wonderful and loving God my vision is that we're a heart that prays for lost souls to find salvation in Christ I heard a wonderful example that a pastor gave once he says he said that um Churches are like fishing boats, and I'll say fishing boats that go off from Gloucester, right? Because we're greater Bostonians here, so 
we've got to contextualize. Something like Deadliest Catch or Wicked Tuna. Right? And when you watch those shows, you just see workers, right? Laborers. These guys are just hard laborers, man. I watch them, just a cigarette butt out their mouth, hoodie on, just pulling tunas on. Something's always hitting them in the head like that hook or something. Like, why they can't figure it out, I can't understand. If I see another dude get hit with that hook, they work through that. But you look in that boat, it's messy. People are laboring. Working together, they're figuring it out. But they're bringing in fish. They're bringing in crabs. And he said, the church is more like that. All hands on deck. Laboring hard. You're hitting storms. It's tough. Waves are coming. There's challenges. Sometimes you're pulling in fish. Sometimes you're just hoping to pull in fish. You're pulling the crab. You're wondering how much they weigh. Are they good? Are they big enough? And you're working through that tough labor, but it's so fruitful. And you know because you eat the seafood in New England. You know it's worth it. He said, contrary to some of us might think or want the church to be like cruise liners. Will you just go there to be served? Everything's there. You got your dinner prepared. You got the entertainment. The pool's the right temperature. You know, everything is, you're there to be served. The church is not meant to be a cruise liner. It's meant to be all hands on deck. It's time to go fishing for men and women in greater Boston and New England. We need laborers, though. We need laborers. We can't come to cruise liners anymore. We've got to come all hands on deck and use the gifts that God has put in us and planned for us and walk in the callings he's called us to before the foundation of the earth. And we've got to use our gift and callings together on this fishing boat to see many people saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of us have the gifts of the prophetic. Some of us have the gift of the pastoral. Some of us have the gift of administration and the gift of music and the gift of mercy and the gift of generosity. And God has placed those in you to all hands on deck work together for the laborers and the harvest because it's plentiful. And Jesus wants to bring many people into his kingdom in New England. Amen. And that's the vision. Let's pray for laborers like Jesus said. Pray laborers would go into the broken fields and gather his harvest. That's the heart of God. So let's talk about praying for your one. You guys hear me many times say, pray for your one. Pray for your one person who's in your life who you love dearly, who's a friend or family member or a coworker. Pray that that person who's far from God will come close by putting their faith in God. Pray for one. And I really want us all to have one person we're praying for in our life this year to come to save in faith in Jesus. Someone who doesn't believe, someone who's far from God. I actually want to take about 20, 30 seconds right now. And I want you to think about who God has put on your heart who is far from God. We'll just have a moment of silence. Who you're praying for this year to come to save in faith in Jesus. Let's take a moment just to think about that and plant that in your heart.
So that person you're thinking about, you probably went through a, a small range of emotions. Should I still be praying for them? Are they ever going to put faith in God? You might even say, they're too far. And I want to encourage you, no, no one's ever too far to be saved by God. No one's ever too far to one day be made alive. Because the gospel is dead people, meaning dead spiritually, being made alive in, um, in Jesus Christ. He awakens heart. He makes them alive. And we might think that people who are too far from God to be saved, but God loves saving people who you think will never come to faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to give you one example. I haven't used this one in a while. You've heard me say it. But I remember Dennis. I remember when I was a teenager, I just, it felt like a dramatic conversion. Like I went from, yeah, I was just, I was dead and God made me alive. It was wild. And so I was trying to share with my friends about this newfound faith. And so I brought him to church one time and then we were driving home. And I think Dennis was even driving. I was in the car with three or four of my friends. And um, I'll just give you the words Dennis got when I was trying to preach that there is a God and there's a gospel. And Dennis is here today, so we get to put him on the spot. <laughs> and I, I won't use the exact language that he used. Uh, I will censor it. But he said, there's no beep, bin, God. He said, there's no beeping God. Now, that's not the most encouraging thing to hear when you're witnessing to someone. You'll come out the gates, okay, we're making progress now. <laughs> you might feel like this is a lost cause, right? I just remember hearing that, and I said, that's too far. Here we are, over 20 years later. Dennis has been baptized. He believes He's walking with Jesus Christ for about six or seven years now. And many of you saw him baptized in the same trough years ago when we were at Nazareth Academy. Someone who people thought would never come to Jesus Christ. God had a plan and God saved him, but he uses our words of the gospel to awaken hearts. To awaken hearts. You know, what encouraged the Apostle Paul when we went to cities was not, some of us say, I'm not the best evangelist. How do I share the gospel? How do I do this? It's God who makes hearts alive, but he invites us into effective calling where when we say Jesus and we say he rose again, for some hearts it makes them come alive. And Paul said, I'm encouraged because many people have been chosen in this city to come to saving faith. And what encouraged him was the power of God to make hearts alive, not that he was the perfect evangelist, but he knew God had called many into his kingdom, and as he preached that gospel, hearts would become alive. And so I want you to be encouraged that you don't have to give the perfect gospel presentation. You don't have to say the exact words. But when we are faithful and courageous and loving and pray the gospel and pray for our one, God will give us opportunities where we share the gospel and people we never thought would find restoration in Jesus' will. Amen? So just in closing, this all comes back to Jesus. Because Jesus met us in our brokenness. Jesus prayed for one, and that one was you and me. And we've been restored by the gospel. In this year, let's pray for the Lord's favor like never before and believe that who's going to be sitting next to you this year as the months go by is your one. 
that this church is going to be filled with the people you're praying for as the kingdom of God advances and people find restoration in Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for each and every person here, Lord. I pray that all those names that were in our hearts as we prayed, our ones, that this year, Lord, you would bring it to pass, that the people sitting next to us be the people we're praying for to find salvation in you. And we know only you can do it, God, but use us as weak vessels who are totally poor in spirit and humble and trust that our words will find hearts that come alive in your gospel. Please hear our prayer. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Sunday's sermon at Restoration Road. We hope it blessed you and invite you to join us for next service at 10 a.m. on Sunday. God bless.